This program is produced using the resources of Public Media Network in Kalamazoo, Michigan. Learn more at publicmedianet.org. Hello, welcome to Connecting Communities, a project of the Kalamazoo Earth Day Committee and supported by the Public Media Network. My name is David Benack, co-host today. With me is Joe Byers. Hello. And we have two here. guests from Kalamazoo Nonviolent Opponents of War. Got to get you both just introduce yourself. Sure. I'm Daniel Smith, uh, co-chairperson of KNOW. I'm Saeed Abu Bakr. I'm currently professor of chemical and paper engineering at Western Michigan University. And I am with Daniel with the collective uh, leadership of KNOW. Great to have you with us today. Yeah. Good to be here. Just to start us off, what is Kalamazoo Nonviolence of War? What is the organization? Well, the organization was started in 2002 uh, as a response to the impending invasion of Iraq. And so we, uh, we uh, weren't able to stop that, but uh, we've uh, stayed together uh, in the 21 years since then. Uh, we, our claim to fame is if you go down by the federal building on Sunday mornings, uh, we're there from 12 to 1. We've been there every Sunday, uh, except one time when there was a thunderstorm uh, between uh, 2002 and now and today. And, and, uh, and today, I, I, you know, uh, we're very concerned about what's happening in Gaza, of course. So um, <clears throat> uh, that's uh, what we were standing for peace uh, this, these Sundays uh, since... Uh, in the past several Sundays, from on, at noon, we, we gather for an hour for peace. Um, and so uh, our goal is uh, to cut the military budget. Uh, defense spending is, is out of, is just going insane. Um, a trillion dollars that we're spending on the military, uh, if, you, if you add everything together. Um, and uh, so along with that, Redu reduction of military is a just foreign policy. So, and one of those things is solidarity with people that are on the, re the receiving end of our uh, military budget, including the people of Palestine. So we have a working group uh, on the um, solidarity with Palestine. Mm -hmm. So we've been doing many things with that. The other so. group is against nuclear As well. weapons. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, we. Um, recently, we had a billboard uh, calling for the abolition of nuclear weapons. Uh, you may have seen it. It was out on uh, Stadium Drive saying that uh, we need to abolish nuclear weapons. And we had, uh, we're working with uh, Back from the Brink campaign uh, to uh, uh, have the United States sign on to the treaty. There's an international treaty on the on the uh, use of nuclear weapons, which the U.S., none of the people who, none of the countries which currently have nuclear weapons have actually signed the treaty, uh, but it's a treaty that's signed by something like 130 countries around the world. Wow. Uh, but not the, uh, I think there's eight nuclear-armed countries. Mm -hmm. So we want to at least get the U.S. to move in that direction, take steps. Maybe it can't be done overnight because of some concerns, but it can be you know, moving in that direction, at least that the Biden administration or the, uh, will, um, will say that this is the direction we want to go to, not, not uh, where we are now, where it's, um, you know, it's, 
it's a dangerous world where in Ukraine you have two nuclear armed uh, countries basically facing off. Mm -hmm. which there could be a mistake and then, you know, that's it. So those kind of weapons should not exist. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's really scary. Yeah. So that's a big issue we're working on as well as uh, one of the things that you wanted to talk about was the war and or the war environment, the, the, the war and the environment, the, um, the war economy and the green economy and how preparing for war is keeping us away from a green economy. Uh, I mentioned the trillion dollars. Mm -hmm that we spend, which is, if you add in the uh, uh, nuclear weapons, which aren't even in the defense budget, yeah. uh, the nuclear weapons are part of the uh, Department of Energy. Mm. So, you know, all these things that are part of uh, war are not even uh, in the defense budget. And of course, all the veterans and, the, you know, what it costs, which um, anytime you send somebody to war, you, should take care of them, and we're not doing a good job of that, but all of those expenses aren't part of the defense budget. So if you add everything in, it's a, it's a trillion dollars. And just think what we could do with the trillion dollars, yeah. how many uh, mm -hmm. solar farms we could have, how many wind farms we could have, you know, how, many, how much mass transit we could have, yeah. bullet trains, we wouldn't have to. How many people could be housed? Mm -hmm. exactly. Well, of course, yeah, right. Yeah, so. And how much better the food infrastructure could become. Yeah, and healthcare too, right. you know? I mean, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. We're really being shortchanged. We're, we're sold a bill of goods. And uh, yeah. so it's, uh, it's a difficult message. Particularly, it's, it's hard to get anything passed in Congress yep. because every, every uh, congressional district has a defense plan of some kind. So if a uh, congressperson votes against the defense budget, uh, his opponent will, will say, hey, you're, you're cutting jobs. <laughs> so pretty much they're guaranteed to vote for the defense budget. It's like a, a bipartisan oh, yeah. uh, vote. Um, so um, yeah, not all, only all the resources that are wasted uh, building the defense budget but also uh, maintaining all of these, all of these military installations around the world. Mm -hmm. uh, just, I don't know how many we have now, 700 or something yeah. military bases around the world mm -hmm. and how much resources that takes. Mm -hmm. And then every installation is a polluting installation. I mean, that's yeah. one reason why we have PFAS problems yes. yeah. in Michigan because of using uh, PFAS uh, type uh, chemicals t uh, in, in military installations uh, for putting out fires and things mm -hmm. like that. Uh, and so then it seeped into the groundwater and now we're drinking it, so. Um, yeah, the United States military is one of the biggest producers of carbon. Um, when they were uh, shipping the Abram tanks to Ukraine, um, I heard several different reports that um, those tanks go through 60 gallons of fuel an hour. <laughs> you know, I mean, that's a lot, that's a lot of fuel. A lot of carbon. Yeah. A lot of fuel coming out of the ground, a lot of oil coming out of the ground, exactly. 
Yeah. I would like to add about uh, KNOW that it is uh, consists of volunteers mm -hmm. mostly. You know, they take time away to do this it's volunteer all volunteers. work. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, the uh, the common denominator is people who believe in social justice for all and for peace and uh, fairness in the world. So I started uh, my activity or activism with KNOW about four years ago at the vigil and I met Dan and uh, really it just it did appeal mm -hmm. to me uh, uh, significantly and I since then been active with the group. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's, I, I want to go back to what you're saying about PFAS and mm -hmm. The dioxins from Agent Orange uh, yeah. in Vietnam. One mm. of the things that most people don't don't realize is the so there's a lot of dioxin contamination still in Vietnam from that, but the most heavily concentrated areas mm -hmm. aren't places that were sprayed. Uh, they aren't places mm. in the river. They're where mm. the U.S. military bases were. Mm. And the reason is because those that that Agent Orange came in 55 gallon steel drums, mm -hmm. and every single one of those had to be dumped out and poured into something to be dispersed. Mm -hmm. And if you watch, you can see the images of the storage fields. It's acres, literally acres, of barrels piled up and piled up. Mm -hmm. And just think about the, the bottom of the milk jug every time you pour it out. Mm. Not everything comes out. Mm -hmm. And so all those this fields, mm. acres and acres of 55-gallon steel drums yeah. all have that left in there. And it's right. left behind, leaks out on the ground. And so there's massive dioxin contamination, which yeah. leads me to something I really wanted to, to bring in for our conversation. The U.S. use of Agent Orange in Vietnam Mm -hmm. led to the creation of a new term, ecocide. Mm. Mm -hmm. And it was, it's now become a term of real relevance because it's being talked about at COP28 uh, mm. a lot. So ecocide is basically um, massive ecological crime committed by a nation, usually uh, against another nation. Uh, mm. And so the U.S. using Agent Orange, yeah. you know, just poisoning. For, uh, for uh, defoliants. Right. Yeah. And so now Ukraine is raising charges of yeah. ecocide against Russia for mm -hmm. uh, primarily for the, the large dam that uh, Russia uh, bombed. There's also other countries, you know, in Yemen, in South Sudan, uh, well, as of today, Israel, you know, and and in four, Gaza, four thousand uh, bombing raids being done in two months, yeah. Yeah. and every bomb yeah. is two thousand pounds. You yeah. know, they, we do not learn yeah. from our mistakes in the past. You know, what is the impact of this 10, 20, 30 years from now? And even not that, long, but all that bombing has destroyed the infrastructure in places where it was already tenuous. Exactly. So people don't have water. Yeah. No. I mean, in, especially in places like Gaza or Yemen or South Sudan that were already uh, hard hit for water, it's, it's the ripple effects of those conflicts are killing, you know, tens of thousands of people. 
I get some numbers here from Euromed Human Rights Monitor about the impact for the last 60 days on Gaza. You know, we heard in the news about over 20,000 people killed, and majority of them are children, and uh, 40,000 injured. At the same time, we have, uh, uh, where is the hospitals? Um, there is a number of hospitals here. Um, 265 schools damaged. Uh, 462 health facilities targeted uh, and uh, about 1.84 million people displaced, 60,000 houses destroyed completely, and 170,000 partially destroyed, all these houses, you know. And as you said, also the water and the electricity and uh, the medication and all of that uh, disaster yeah. is really is kind of break my heart. Yeah, not the the water table is just totally polluted because of the previous bombings and then not the the Israel Israeli blockade, mm -hmm. which has been going on 14 years, I think, uh, not letting uh, equipment in to repair a lot of the uh, water treatment facilities. They bombed the water treatment yeah. facility. Yeah. And the sewage facility. is, sewage yeah. is yeah. on the street very much, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, no water, no, well, no food because there's complete um, blockade, no food, no electricity, uh, hospitals, no health care. So, um, yeah, just, just from a strictly environmental mm -hmm. standpoint, not thinking of even the people, uh, so much debris just everywhere you know that, that was i mean uh if the if the israel stopped bombing tomorrow uh it would be a huge effort to rebuild and do something with all this debris and and all of the all the contaminants from all these weapons mm -hmm. alone you know, just remind me of uh, of uh, Netanyahu at the United Nations when he brought the map. The map he brought does not have Gaza at all, so it's predetermined. They were just waiting for something to mm -hmm. to do this. It, they have the plan was ready to go, but they were just waiting for something to trigger this aggression. Mm -hmm. Yeah, regards the uh, the war in Gaza. Uh, uh, they said it was their 9-11, mm -hmm. and it seemed that uh, when we invaded Iraq, which was what uh, started uh, KNOW as an organization, um, it seems later we found out that 9-11 was an excuse because they wanted to invade, they wanted to invade Iraq, so it's a good opportunity. You know, they needed like a Pearl Harbor moment that they could use to uh, set their plans up to invade. But I would like to add that, you know, this conflict did not start October 7. It started right. 75 years ago. And my family is part of it. My parents were kicked out from Haifa in 1948. And uh, their story is, is, you know, it's already third generation. My grandchildren can tell you the story how 
my father was kicked out. His cousin was shot dead in front of him because they did not follow direction to go to the, to the port of Haifa to ship them to Lebanon. And only men they took. So the women and children stayed at home. And the men, two, three days, four days, did not show up home. They thought they're dead, you know. They, so they started walking to the safety place. My, wife, my mother walked 20 miles with three children just to go to, to a village where her parents lived, you know, to, to, to secure a place for her children. And this is 75 years, but the last, the last decade, you know, Israel has been building settlement, settler violence. You've, we've seen pictures, even though main media does not show so much, but lately with social media you can see how settlers can go shoot at a young boy or a man, older man, one of them was American citizen recently, and get away with it. And then we say that we have, we shared value with the government of Israel. What, what value are they talking about? So all, all of this detention, you know, thousands of people are in prison without any charge. That's not shared value with our, with our value at all. They're, uh, demolishing of housing, you know, if, if you go to Beit Salem, which is a Jewish Israeli organization that documents the demolishing of houses, uh, uh, Palestinian houses, you see thousands and thousands of them where the family get few minutes or maybe one hour to gather their stuff, then a, a huge bulldozer come and mm -hmm. destroy their house in front of their eyes. I was telling my wife, can you imagine this, our house, somebody come and just destroy mm -hmm. it, you know, what to do? You know, all, all of this, all of this um, discrimination and uh, ethnic cleansing, I, I just would like to say that if people want to know more about it, go to the literature, you know, there are literature available there that uh, you need to go and find it, like, Noam Chomsky uh, book, Elam Papi, about ethnic cleansing of Palestine, uh, Michael Pillid about the son of general. You know, these are people who, mm -hmm. who woke up and saw the, 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 um, the uh, treatment of Palestinians and, and they, they stood and they start, you know, speaking about it uh, openly. So, the, when they call it 9-11, I laugh, you know, it's not like 9-11 at all. The 75 years of three, four generations been suffering. Take Gaza, for example. Gaza population, 25% of Palestinians who kicked out of their homes and villages in 1948, 25% of them went to Gaza and live in refugee camps. So when you hear Jabalia today, you know, they're destroying Jabalia today. These people are three, four generation refugees where they left mm -hmm. their homes and towns and farms and, and, and life and culture and history they left behind. And they're, they're even, you know, already multiple times. That is not the first time Israel goes to Gaza. The first time was in 1956. And Ariel Sharon was the head of the group that invaded Gaza in 1956. And he did two big massacres, one in Khan Yunus that we hear about today, and one in Rafah also. A total of over 3,000 people, majority men and children were killed. 
and they get away with it. They keep doing it and doing it and doing it. In 1967, there was no Hamas in 1967. And uh, Hamas started after the Intifada. And Intifada is 20 years after 1967. People lost any hope. And the Intifada, which is the uprising, started very peaceful, very peaceful. And But the Israeli uh, forces were using live bullets. They were mm -hmm. Ishaq Rabin, famous, break their bones, you know, and, and, uh, and so on. So, and only back then that Hamas started at the end of the first Intifada. <clears throat> People have no hope whatsoever from the grandparents to the parents to the children to the grandchildren, no hopes whatsoever. The open, mm -hmm. the biggest open prison in the whole world and anything, anything we enjoy in a daily basis, they don't have, you know, they have no hope there. And they think that the whole world is against them now because the, they're not army. Gaza is not army. 2.2 million people. The majority, vast, vast majority are, peop are people, you know, not army, not at all. They don't have army, they don't have navy, they don't have airport or anything, you know. Mm -hmm. They're just being controlled, their life being controlled by a foreign power that want to kick them out of the land and take, steal their land away. Mm -hmm. Yeah, 75% of the people who live in Gaza are descendants from, uh, from yeah. refugees were kicked out earlier and, and forced into Gaza. And, of course, the children. 50% uh, are, are, are uh, children. So all these such a horrible uh, figures for the number of children killed. I mean... The, the nightmare that's happening to Gaza is just very difficult to even contemplate, you know, because constant bombing uh, a, a large apartment building is destroyed, falls down on each other, on itself. Uh, there's no way, there's no equipment to dig people out. Just imagine how many people are, have died just a slow, agonizing death being stuck under the rubble, you know, children. So that's why um, we're, we're trying to do something uh, about uh, stopping uh, U.S. support. Um, unfortunately, Biden is, uh, is, has given full-throated support for what Netanyahu and uh, Israel is doing. So. so that's part of the problem, um, is that uh, the genocide that's happening in Gaza right now is fully supported by the U.S. or you know the U.S. Mm -hmm. If we stopped the foreign aid today, they couldn't carry on. I mean, their planes, their missiles, all their ammunition—it all comes from the United States. So, mm -hmm. you know, this is, you know, our war. Yeah. You know, I was talking to some friend today. You know about. Uh, uh, about uh, Israel and relate that to our kids playing soccer. You know, I've been in the soccer field. You, your son or daughter kick the ball, it goes to the right, good job. Goes to the left, good job. Goes straight, good job. And that's what we're doing to Israel. No matter what they do, either we veto or we say, or we take the stand of Israel. Mm 
even though Israel now has the most extreme racist government in the history. They openly say these are human animals. They openly say we need to kill them all. A minister in the cabinet say we need to nuke Gaza, you know, and they get away with it. They get away with it. If this happened in Iran or China or Russia, we'll be up in arms talking about it. But because mm -hmm. it's happening in Palestine, nobody is talking about it. Take another example, woman. There are 200 children are born every day in Gaza. Can you imagine the condition of these hospitals, horrible conditions in hospitals that need to mm -hmm. deal with body parts and all of that they have, and the woman has to go give birth. They all give birth at home, and many women are dying or the children are mm -hmm. dying from that because they don't have any, any, mm -hmm. any medical uh, attention. So how we can say that, you know, especially when you get famous feminists, you know, if there is one woman in Iran, they raise the hell, it will be first thing in the news and everybody is talking about it. But hundreds and thousands of Palestinian women are dying. I'll give you another story of one related to Kalamazoo. A student who is legally blind came to Kalamazoo from Gaza to do his master's in low vision and uh, blindness and, and college education. He was teacher in Gaza. He finished and went back home. His home, they got the leaflets from the, from the occupation forces to leave to the south. So he, he has two daughters and one son and his wife. So they walked to, to Rafah. They went to first school, 50,000 people in the school where there is no place to stand even. Mm -hmm. Other school, the same thing. They, they said, okay, we'll go back home. So they, they, they walked again because there is no fuel. Their car cannot run. They walk again to their home. A bomb hit their home. When, from the big noise, it, it sounds horrible, you know, so loud. The daughter, 14 years old, came and hugged her mom. And all the sharpness got to the daughter and she, and she killed. He, he got his hand very much broken, completely broken, completely broken. You look at the picture, there is nothing together. His son got sharp nail in his, in his, uh, in, in, in his face and, uh, and uh, his son was born in Kalamazoo while his dad uh, was uh, doing his uh, graduate work. So because of that, they have one American citizen, they were able to get out of Gaza recently, and they are now in Cairo, in Egypt, trying to get medical help, you know, and there is very, very little help available for them. There is a fund, uh, fund me uh, for this family because of their Kalamazoo connections. So if you go to, uh, probably the best way to find uh, the how to donate for this family is go to KZOO number four peace, KZOO4peace.org. And um, there's a link there to uh, if you can donate a few bucks to help the family. And actually, the the response has been overwhelming. Uh, of course, they need huge amount of of uh, resources to to bring them to the U.S. for the medical care that they need. Uh, but um, but the, there's been uh, so many uh, uh, people that have donated, and. Um, as well, if, uh, if you're interested in, there's so many things we can do to, 
to stop the war. Um, you know, you, you feel kind of helpless because uh, it, it seems like no matter what you do, nothing happens. But um, if you go to kzoo4peace.org, uh, there's a petition there that's being put together. Uh, just in about a week, we've gotten 250 names. And um, yeah, we have the... Uh, we have the, the QR code. <laughs> I don't know if you can put this on the screen, we'll it, yeah. but uh, <laughs> uh, this is a QR code for our petition, uh, which is goes to Senator Stabenow, Senator Peters, and to uh, Representative Heisinger uh, for a ceasefire, ceasefire now. So um, um, <clears throat> you can you can do that. Uh, you can come and join us on Sundays. Actually, we started at 11.30 now, 11.30 to 1. And then um, we're speaking out at the uh, city commission meetings. So come to uh, uh, city commission meetings. You can check that out when that is on the web. And uh, as well as the county. We're starting to try to get people to speak out at the county. And then at the Portage City um, speak for a uh, ceasefire and um, we the, I think the idea is our um, our senators and representatives are not speaking out uh, our president is is basically uh, helping this happen so maybe start with the local and, and move up, move up so um, we're hoping that the local governments are leading the way uh, in Michigan, we have Detroit has passed a resolution, uh, Dearborn, Dearborn Heights, uh, Hamtramck, and uh, it, I think it, uh, Ann Arbor is still looking at it. I'm not sure if it's passed, but Ann Arbor and Ypsilanti. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's a, and, you know, of course, many cities across the country. So it's a 66%, I think, was the poll numbers of people who want to cease fire. So, you know, why? Yeah. why? And like 80% of Democrats yeah. want yeah. it. And, um, <coughs> excuse me, um, we can't even get really the progressive lawmakers to yeah. support a ceasefire. I mean, there's a handful of them, but I mean, yeah. like popular progressives like Bernie Sanders, he hasn't called for a ceasefire. Um, you know, it's, it, it's, really, it's really a yeah. shame. I would just like to see people think about the reality of this issue, like the stories you're telling. That's what we need to hear mm -hmm. because this is not, it's not a war. Not I mean, it's, it's a one-sided conflict and the people who are paying the price are civilians, families. You know, war is awful and I agree with you that war should not happen but this isn't a war. Mm -hmm. You know, this is, this is mass murder. Noam Chomsky put it the best, you know, war is between two armies. There is only one army and there is civilians and that's what's going on very much. And even if someone were to ex uh, accept the argument, and I'd, I'll stay neutral on whether or not Hamas is a government or a terrorist organization, but even if you accepted that Hamas was a terrorist organization, that doesn't justify killing everyone in a community because that's mm -hmm. where they look. 
we, we would not accept that from our mm -hmm. military. You know, yes. you know in, in Vietnam, the My Lai Massacre, when American soldiers killed villagers who were not part of the Viet Cong or part of the North Vietnamese, the American public rose up and that was a big part of why we got to the cultural pressure to end that conflict. That it, we wouldn't accept it from mm -hmm. our country. We shouldn't accept it from mm -hmm. any other country. Mm -hmm. One of the great things that I think is that there has been a mass uprising in the mm -hmm. United States, other countries, I mean, cities like Berlin and London, I mean, the streets are just filled with people who mm -hmm. are against genocide, you mm -hmm. know, and it, it, it gives me a little bit of hope that you know, there's young people getting out in the streets because that's what we really need, you know? Mm -hmm. right. Unfortunately, the Palestinians are very pessimistic in that uh, sense because, you know, in the past, there were some, there was some, uh, many people speaking out about the injustice and all of that, but yeah. mm -hmm. the Western government is not willing to do anything and Palestinian, far too familiar with massacre. You know, from 1948, mm -hmm. Dir Yassin, they came to a, a town and they killed 254 people, majority children and women. Tantura just came recently that uh, uh, the village of Tantura was also very much, the whole town was massacred and, and they built mm -hmm. a whole new town and a parking lot over the mass grave. As I mentioned a few minutes ago, the massacre of Khan Yunus and, and uh, Rafah in 1956, the Kufr Qasim in, 19, uh, in 1957, I believe. So, you know, there's so, the, there's so much facts on the ground that civilians who has nothing to do with anything have been killed in a mass proportion and the humanity of the world mm -hmm. is just looking the other way. Yeah, yeah. And, and people would say they should try nonviolent means. They, it was, um, I think it was three years ago, was the Great March of Return, where it was a nonviolent yeah. march just to the fence. Mm -hmm. the, where, on the Gaza know, side. On the Gaza side, just marching up to the fence saying, this is wrong. The world turned a blind eye as, uh, Israeli snipers just pick people off. 247 yeah. people. Okay. I mean, uh, to me, there's a personal uh, feeling about that because uh, I watched this movie about uh, a young man. He was training to go to the Olympics in cycling. Yeah. So he cycled up and down the Gaza Strip, trying to put in hundreds of miles, and the, the Gaza Strip is, what, 25 miles long. So it was kind of funny, but it was, in a way he was going up and down, but he's, he had determination to, to be uh, a cyclist in the Olympics. He went just to watch what was going on at the Great March of Return, and they blew his leg off, mm. a sniper. And uh, it was so sad to see this young man, you know. So he was cycling with, with one leg, you know. His, his dreams just shattered. So, uh, you know, multiply that by two million. And, and um, we, we just have to do something. So we're doing Well, the Palestinian people have tried 
uh, peaceful stuff. Yeah. I mean, like BD, the BDS movement, yeah. boycott, divest, and sanctions. Mm -hmm. um, but you're labeled a terrorist if you support that, you know? And there were, there were a few movements, you know, in the 80s and in the 90s where people were saying, okay, let's just have non-violence uh, uh, up, up, uh, opposition to the occupation and all of that. They've been either either deported from the country or, or uh, de detained and in prison. So the leadership mm -hmm. disappeared right away because they, become, they became popular not only in Palestine, they became popular in the West, you know, that these people are, this is, mm -hmm. the, this is the Mahanta Gandhi of Palestine, this is Martin Luther King of Palestine, but they disappeared, you know, they, uh, they took mm -hmm. care of them because they do not want to show the world that uh, peaceful movement is among Palestinians. They want to have an arg a reason to, to go and massacre and kill and steal more land and build more settlements. So building settlement, it makes it, again, about shared value. If you are a settler, you go by the Israeli law. If you are a Palestinian next door, first the land was stolen from these Palestinians, that they see it every day. But if a Palestinian does the same thing, he will be, he will be going to military court. And military court, 99%, they go with the military uh, prosecution, you know. So, only 1% of the time they let people go. And of course, what happens to the kids in the occupied territories is, is just horrible. Um, you know, the, the soldiers pound on your door at 3 in the morning and they come and take your kid away, you know, uh, and, and, and interrogate him, blindfold him, uh, in some cases torture him, beat him up, and trying to get names of other kids who supposedly threw a stone or something mm -hmm. against the tank going by or whatever. So, um, you know, it's just an effort to totally make uh, a, Palestine, a Palestinian person living there just uh, hopeless, feel hopeless. You can't even control your own, you don't even have control of your own mm -hmm. doors. Your, your home is not your castle because the soldiers can come in any time and take your children. And then how do you get them back? You know, sometimes you can get them back, pay a huge fine, sometimes not, you know. So um, it's just daily humiliations that we living here can't even imagine, you know, just, just maybe your wife is pregnant, having a baby, you're trying to take her to the hospital and you gotta stop at a checkpoint. And you're hoping that the soldier at the checkpoint is in a good mood that day so you can make it to the hospital, you know. It's just so many things like that, people dying at the checkpoint because they couldn't get through at the hospital. Actually, I saw that in my own eyes. Uh, about 10 years ago, I am a part of the group called ABET that we go uh, do accreditation of engineering program in the U.S. and around the world. So one time I got, uh, you know, I did about 20 universities in the U.S., but sometimes I get a, a assignment to go overseas. So I've been to Turkey and, uh, and Spain, and one time 10 years ago, I got a job to do in the West Bank at Al Najah University. And uh, so our job is to go to review the engineering program like we do here, look at the curriculum, look at the textbooks, look at the faculty qualified and all of that. But part of it, one day we were walking, we were driving to work and checkpoint. 
you know, we have American passport, they will let us go. There, there is a car next to us, exactly what you said, Daniel. She's pregnant. The water broke, she's ready to go to the hospital. And, and the Israeli soldier sitting there smoking his cigarette and cursing them in Arabic. I could understand Arabic, you know. Said, I, I, I just went to him and said, I, I, I'm gonna take picture of this and, and go back to the US and talk about this. Only when I told him this, he, he let her go. Hmm. The other woman said, please, please, she was crying. She has an exam, final exam, you know, that she need to go. And it is less than a mile away, but it takes her hours to get there. So she was crying and begging him, please, please let me go. I need to take my exam. He won't let her go because he's in bad mood that day. In mm -hmm. all these conflicts have multiplier effects. Um, one, the Red Cross. The Red Cross has had projects in, um, they just canceled all their projects in Gaza. Uh, they had had several long running projects, particularly dealing with water and food security for people in Gaza. They also have, uh, a few years ago, had to do the same thing, cancel everything yeah, in man. Yemen and South Sudan. So it's, these conflicts are, are, are hurting the people who are most vulnerable, um, whether they're people in those countries or just the countries that are most vulnerable are the ones who are bearing the brunt of, of all the stress we're placing on the world. Yeah. But you know, yeah. in Sudan and Yemen is different, in Iraq is different, yes. in Libya is different because they have country. Yeah. They, at least they have country, mm. citizenship, they have something, mm -hmm. you know, but the Palestinians don't. They don't have state, they don't have country. So mm -hmm. it's, it's, that's what makes the, the situation even worse, mm -hmm. that you feel unprotected and, uh, and mm -hmm. weak. Yeah, another layer of vulnerability there, yeah. And so you mentioned your website. Mm -hmm. um, what are the ways that somebody just listening or watching mm -hmm. this, what are the, the first things besides signing the petition that mm -hmm. people could do to be helpful? Um, showing up on, on Sundays down at the federal building, which is located downtown Kalamazoo, the corner of Michigan and Park. And um, uh, that would be helpful. And when you're there, uh, let one of us know. We'll put you on the uh, mailing list we have our uh, email list is almost up to 100 people, 800 people now um, to let you know uh, of different uh, events coming up. Mm -hmm. So uh, we have a group working on bringing in a lot of films to a lot of the uh, churches around the, neighbor around the city um, to, um, to let people know what's going on. A lot of people are hearing about Gaza for the first time. And so it's, it's you know, it's... Uh, so we need to take advantage of that opportunity and, and show people what's going on. So, um, so we're trying to educate the public, uh, educate ourselves, uh, reading books. Um, the ethnic cleansing of Palestine by Ilan Pape has been mentioned. Ilan Pape, uh, uh, Israeli historian, also has written a book. Uh, it's a little bit shorter. It's only 100 pages, but it's 10 myths about Israel. And that's, if you book. need a, um, 
you don't have a lot of time to read and you need a primer, that's a good one. Ten Myths About uh, Israel. Go to Kazoo Books or one of the other Sh local Chomsky is co-author also. Oh, yeah, yeah okay. Um, yeah. Also, you know, one of the chats we do on Saturday, Biden, Biden, you should note in November we will vote. So if you are a citizen who believe in humanities and justice for all, write your representative mm -hmm. that yeah. about ceasefire and about justice for the Palestinians. We collected 500 signatures to limit, not to end, to limit military aid to Israel if they violate the human rights of the Palestinians. We collected 500 signatures. Where we yeah. go, Daniel and I went to Hosinga's yeah. office and get, he, well, we, we gathered them at the uh, farmer's market. At yes. the farmer's market. And we go. people were taking it out of our hands. It was very easy to gather signatures for that. People really agreed with us. We took it to Heisinger's office. He nodded, or his staff nodded politely and he has uh, a very polite staff. You can go to his, his office located there in Portage. That's another thing. We do have a, a, a local representative for our congressional district show up in his office. Uh, it's on, um, let's see, Trestlewood, Trestle Bridge uh, office complex. Um, it's kind of near Lloyd Norix on uh, Lover's. Lover's Lane across kind of across from Lloyd Go show up and, and say you want, you want a ceasefire in Gaza. Um, and I'm telling Representative Hosenga, November is coming. Mm -hmm. All these 500 people are going to contact and they will go vote. Right. Yeah. I mean, we have to say to Bill Heisinger, you're not, you're not representing us if, if you don't vote, if you don't speak out publicly for a ceasefire. So we need to look elsewhere. You know, beside the 500 signatures we, se we selected, uh, we have a community in Kalamazoo who are Palestinian descent. We have six professors at the university, Palestinian-American. Uh, their kids born here and raised here. We had many, many doctors in town. I will name uh, Azam Kanaan, one of the, started his medical practice uh, in 1970 here, and he did lots of contribution to the community with his wife, Shadia. We got business people who are very well leader in, in, in leaders in town, just like Hussein Judah, Deals Unlimited on Portage Road. We have many, many, many others that, that are really having difficult time because there is some connection, you know, I mentioned Hussein Judah, he's originally from Gaza. He, he, he left Gaza when he was one year old, you know, but he still have lots of relatives. Mm -hmm. He got notification from his cousins that over a hundred people from his family, from Judah, mm -hmm. killed since mm -hmm. October 7. Just one family, Judah, because, you know, these people are refugees from 1948, so they are in very dense area and live next to each other. You know, your brother get married, you know, he's next to you, and so the family are really community to support each other. So when they, when they throw the 2,000 pound 
bomb in the area mm -hmm. destroyed everything, you know, and one, 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 minister, one minister in Israel was so happy that they killed one Hamas leader by killing 121 civilians. You know, what, what kind of logic is this? 120 ratio to one is really genocide. Yeah, so many families, the, the entire family wiped out, and no one survived uh, from that family name. So it just ends right there, which is, to me, that's the de definition of genocide. The, there's some families say, okay, let's stay together, die together. Some families, you know, you got two brothers, two sisters, whatever. They say, okay, I'll have half of your children, you have half of mine. So if your house is destroyed, at least some of us will stay alive, you know, to that point. And, and writing on the kids' arms with a Sharpie, uh, names. Their, their name, so that when they're found under the rubble, they can be identified. I mean, it's, it's beyond horrific. And, um, you know, we, we just have to all speak up. We just have to speak up. So... I believe in a humanity, and I believe injustice cannot go forever. The question is just when, you know, how much more suffering mm. the Palestinians has to go through mm -hmm. to get to be equal citizens yeah. and to be, live freely just yeah. like any other people in the world. Yeah, I mean, when will Biden finally show up, speak up and, and stop sending uh, military aid to Israel? Um, is it, tw uh, obviously 20,000 deaths isn't enough, so is it 40,000, 60,000? When is he gonna do something? Um, it's uh, very sad, it uh, makes you very angry, but uh, we have to channel, mm -hmm. channel our sadness and our angry, anger into action. So um, yeah, contact us uh, either by coming to the vigil, show us your ideas. We have a lot of young people. We had a walkout from uh, the Portage, uh, Northern. Portage Northern High School in solidarity with Gaza. Mm. So the kids get it. High school kids walked out from their classes. Um, and they came to us and said, we want to do more. You know, let's work together. So we have students, K College and Western, uh, that are really want to do something. So uh, very heartening that uh, uh, people understand what's going on and want to do something. So um, yeah, if you come to our website, uh, you can find out there's a spot for contact us where you can get on our mailing list or just email us and say, uh, yeah, what can I do? I'm interested in, I'm interested in putting on a concert, a benefit concert for Gaza or, you know, I'm a dancer, I'm a singer, uh, I write poetry. Um, you know, so many ways uh, that uh, you, people can help in, in their own way, you know. We have people baking cookies, so we're going to have a cookie, uh, Christmas uh, uh, holiday cookie sale so, um, for the Palestinian Children's Relief Fund. So, you know, there's something for everyone. Mm -hmm. Try to, you know, no matter what your gift is, you know, we, we really need you. So I want to thank you for this friendly conversation from the bottom of my heart. Make us feel we're not alone. I thank you. Well, you're welcome. Yeah. I really yeah. appreciate both of you guys coming. Thanks, Joe. Thank Thanks, David. Well, so we'll, 
that's why we call the show Connecting Communities. Yeah, our, our goal, um, we focus around the environment, but our understanding of environment is mm -hmm. no matter where you are, at any point, you live in an environment. If you're inside a building, if you're out in the wilderness, you're at school, whatever it is, that's an environment. And environment means we need, we need clean air, we need fresh water, we need healthy food, and we need mm -hmm. a supportive um, community around us. Um, mm -hmm. So uh, we hope that people uh, will reach out to you, join mm -hmm. your cause, and uh, this will be aired soon. And follow along with Connecting Communities. If you are interested in helping out with Earth Day, we are planning for next April's events. You can check out our website, KalamazooEarthDay.com, or find us on social media, let's see, Facebook, uh, Instagram, and TikTok, and let us know how you'd like to be involved. And until next time, thank you all for joining us. Can I Just add one more, one oh, yeah. more thing ahead. about the environment? You know, uh, my research is actually on paper recycling. I have published one book and written six chapters. I published 140 publications, not only in the US, in, in Europe, in Aust uh, Australia, and New Zealand, and other places. Uh, and uh, um, paper recycling is just uh, a, a way to, as you all know, uh, to be environmentally benign about, you know, getting less uh, natural resources used for the industry. And uh, our work, as, as Daniel said, uh, culminated in coming up with the self-sticking stamp. The, the problem with the, with, the, with the paper recycling is adhesive, you know, everything you add to the paper mm -hmm. as a function become contaminant, you need to remove. So we work with, uh, with 3M and Ivory Dennison and other adhesive company, they agreed uh, that they will formulate their ad adhesive such that it's easy to remove it in the paper recycling mm. process. Thank you again. <laughs> oh, thank you for cool. contributions to making yeah. us more sustainable as a society. <laughs> All right. Thank you, everybody. We'll see you next time. Thank you. Thank you.